Hello and welcome to A Composer's Journey. Welcome to the show. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how do you actually analyze a score? How do you analyze a piece of music? So basically this week, I emailed my list saying, I've been looking at the Matrix. I love this Matrix soundtrack and I love the score and I've been analyzing the score and I've been learning so much from analyzing the soundtrack to the Matrix, going through the actual score, the actual sheet music and learning a huge amount. And by the way, if you want to get on that email list, you can go to insidethescore.com forward slash composers. I send a bunch of exclusive content. I don't send it anywhere else. So if you want to get that exclusive content and get exclusive access to me, you can join that list at insidethescore.com forward slash composers. But when I sent this email about the Matrix soundtrack, I got a message back from Birger saying, how do one actually, how does one actually go about analyzing a score? What do you look for? What do you write down? How does it work? So that's what I'm going to try and answer in this episode. And what I thought I'd do is actually go through one of the cues to the matrix. But first, let me talk about analyzing scores. So the reason this is such a good thing is it's basically like getting a recipe book. You might eat the most delicious food, the most delicious piece of cake and uh, or something. I don't know why I jumped to cake. It's obviously on my mind. But you might eat the most delicious piece of cake and you might try and figure out what's going on. Oh, what's the recipe for that? You can taste it. You can try and figure it out with your taste buds. You might think, oh, there's some honey. There's, uh, there's some honey. There, there might be some um, lemon or some orange in it. Uh, and, and you can try and piece it together that way. But if you really want to get the recipe exactly right, then you probably need the recipe book, especially if it's baking. If it's baking, you really need the exact oven temperature, how long it was in the oven for. Um, you need to know exactly the amount of honey that went into it, exactly the number of oranges or whatever, um, is it, what kind of oil it was using. You need all that information. You probably can't, unless you're a world-class baker, you probably can't figure it all out just by tasting it. And in the same way with, uh, with music, you could try and figure out by ear, oh, what's going on there? What's he doing there? And with easier music, it is actually quite possible, I think, to, to figure things out by ear. But there comes a point where the music is so difficult or so complex that you really need the recipe book. You really, if you want to figure out what the composer is doing, you need the recipe book. And that's exactly what a score is. The score is the recipe book. You're wondering, how did he get that sound? How did he get those heart? What harmonies is he using there? How, how is he balancing the melody with the counterpoint and everything? You've got all these questions about how the composer is managing to do these things. And the score, the sheet music, is the recipe book. It's the cookbook. It's showing you how the composer achieved that sound. It's showing you what harmonies the composer is using. The score is the recipe book for the music. I hope that analogy makes sense. But the score is literally showing you how to achieve the same effect. So what I want to do, um, rather than telling you the million different ways you could analyze a score, what I'm going to do is go through a track in the matrix. And this is this is where I'm up to in the soundtrack. I've been going through the matrix score cue by cue, one cue at a time. 
and I've reached this point in the in the score. It's called The Cure. You can find it in the full soundtrack, the complete soundtrack. Uh, it's called The Cure. Um, on Spotify, this is track 35 in The Matrix, the complete score. And I haven't got here yet. I haven't looked at this. I haven't marked it up. And so I'm going to talk it through with you and talk through my thought process. Uh, I don't even know if this is a very good cue. Some of them are better than others, but that doesn't matter. I'll just talk you through the whole process of what I'm looking at, what I'm thinking about bit by bit. And by the way, when you're analyzing a score, you also need to think, what's my goal here? What's my goal? If your goal is to conduct the score, then you'll be analyzing it a little differently than if your goal is to uh, perform the score, let's say if it was a string quartet, if the goal is to perform the score, you're, then, then you'll be analyzing it differently. If your goal is to learn things for composing, then you'll analyze it a little differently. If I were a conductor, I'd be focusing more on the instruments, the instruments entries. I'd pay a lot more attention to tempo. I, 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 I haven't really been worrying too much about tempo because um, it, if it changes from 124 to 135, as a composer, it's like, okay, it gets a bit faster, but that's not the main focus for me. If I were a conductor, that really would be important. So you can see that there are different goals if I were analyzing this as a conductor. And similarly, if I were analyzing this as a performer, I might be looking for instrument difficulties. I'd be looking, you know, if I were playing the violin, I'd be like, oh, that's a difficult passage. I'd also be thinking, am I the main focus there? No, the flutes are the main focus there, so I need to stay out of the way. Um, so depending on the reason you're analyzing a score, you're gonna do it a bit differently. But, you know, we're here in this podcast. Let's presume we're analyzing a score to see what we can learn from it as composers. So I'm going to have a sip of tea. Hmm. It's still too hot. And then let's go. So first, I'm just going to listen to the first section. It looks like this score is in sort of three or three or four sections just, just by eyeballing it. So we're going to listen to the first section together now. Oops. Okay. So there's the first section. There's this kind of horror section um, for the first 25 seconds. Now, the thing we hear at the very beginning. Well, in the score, it says there's Chinese symbols which are being scraped by a stick. And that can be a, a pretty nasty noise. There's a water phone which is being rubbed with a bass bow. And there's also, there's the first piano, someone scraping the low strings with a key. I mean, you know, like a door key or something. Someone's scraping the low strings and that makes a horrible um, sort of grimy noise. And there's also a second piano where someone's tremoloing on low strings with soft vibraphone mallets. So there's a whole bunch of textures. All kinds of percussion things being used. However, there is one caveat here, which is in this soundtrack, um, they often mix sound design in afterwards. 
So you can't guarantee that those initial sounds are actually, you know, fully recorded on site. They often mix extra bits of sound design, especially for those horror percussion sounds. You often find that they've enhanced it or they mix it afterwards. So to be honest, with these first five seconds, if you try to get this effect with just two pianos, a Chinese cymbal and a water phone, it probably wouldn't sound as good. I imagine they've either added sound design or they've digitally enhanced it. But anyway, after that, you got these strings. And actually this is really simple so far. The strings are just, they're playing a kind of discord. So they're around here. Um, and you know, there's just a cluster. And there's no vibrato, it sends a vib. And they're just very slowly over one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine bars. They're very slowly glissant, um, is glissandoing a verb. They're very slowly sliding up, but they're not even sliding that far. Let's see, they're sliding um, about a major third over the course of, what was it, 10 bars? A major third over 10 bars. So it's a very long, very slow glissando. And then about halfway through that glissando, the celli and the bass come in with, uh, with this kind of thing. Actually, it's an octave lower than that. So that's just a D, E flat in the bass, and then E and F in the cello. And they're also, tre they're, they're, they're fully tremolando, they're, they're So that's just a kind of horror cluster. You're not getting any harmonic information from that. You're just getting this, it's an effect. It's a sonic effect more than anything, especially when they're tremoloing as well. You're getting all kinds of dark, low harmonics. So um, let's just listen on. And what you're also getting extremely quietly is a timpani, um, a timpani also tremoloing between E and F. And that that just that joins in with the basses and um, cellos. It's just simple horror. If you remember the film, this is the moment when uh, Neo says, guns, lots of guns, and then all these gun racks appear. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so let's listen to that one more time. Try and see what you can hear out of curiosity. See what you can hear, and then I'll talk through what's actually in the score, what's actually in the recipe book. stop there so what I hear well you can hear this you can hear the woodwinds going um that's the clarinets and the bassoons 
in unison. But what he's actually doing is he'll have one clarinet go ba da 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 and then the second clarinet will take over. Da 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 da. So it'll be one, two, one, two. So they're alternating half a bar each, the first and the second clarinet. And he's doing the same with the bassoons. And that's just, you know, that's pragmatic. That's so the bassoons can breathe. If you just had one bassoon or just one clarinet going, for a whole 20 seconds, they'd run out of breath and you'd, you'd hear that in the music. <laughs> you'd hear them slowly die. Um, but because he's alternating every half bar between instruments in this ostinato, it means that it can sound like it's just one continuous ostinato. Listen to the woodwinds now. I'll play, that, I'll, I'll play just a little bit, but you listen, it just sounds like one continuous ostinato, even though he's switching woodwind every, every half bar, every half measure. Okay, um, another thing you can hear here is there's light metal percussion. He's actually using a synth. This is actually a synth, that metal percussion. It, it says in the score, synth, and then it says in italics, light metal percussion. No shame in that. Um, so listen to that. You can hear it's light metal percussion, but it's actually a synth doing this. And there's also piano, um, and the piano is going, um, I'm an octave too high. So I'm using this micro keyboard because I'm traveling. There's only 32 keys on this, on this piano. So I've got to press the octave button whenever I want to go in octaves. So the piano is just adding to the ostinato. And that also grounds it in C minor. And by the way, I know the question was, how do you actually go about analyzing a score? This, this is literally what I do in my head. I don't talk out loud when I'm doing it in private, but this is what I do in my head when I'm going through it. This is, so the piano part is adding to the ostinato and it's also grounding it in the key of C minor, really. And that C minor is also helped by the violins and cellos, sorry, the cellos and basses, which are going, and they're just holding a low C. So that's all grounding this in C minor. And of course the ostinato originally was on C as well. So all in C. So one more time, we'll listen to the ostinato and then we'll talk about what the violins and violas are doing. Okay, um, so the violins, they've got this rhythm. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 very consistent. But then right towards the end, it goes bum, 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 bum. So there is just one bar where it kind of surprises you instead of going bum, 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 bum. There's one bar where it goes bum, 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 bum. It just skips the rest. Bum, 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 bum. So there is one bar where a surprising rhythm does catch you out. And Don Davis does this quite a lot. But the harmony here, the harmony is the interesting bit. It's building and building up in excitement. So the violins, the first violins are divisi into two. They're divided into two. Um, if you don't know what divisi is, uh, you can easily look it up. First violins are divisi. The second violins 
and the violas are just all playing the same part. So, and it says secco, which means dry, very dry. <laughs> um, that means play it dry. Bam, 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 bam. It means very, um, you know, don't let the note ring, I think. It's just da, 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 da. Just keep it very close, very tightly cut. So anyway, um, uh, wrong octave. I need to invest in a larger travel keyboard. So here we go. The harmony is C in the viola, D in the second violin, and then the first violins are going E flat F. It's like a C minor scale. But they're going... So it's just... And then um, from F, F, we jump up to G. So it's um it's like a cluster chord on uh, around C minor C D E flat G and then it goes up to E flat F G C. So it's again it's a cluster chord. It's like a C minor with an F added. But it, what an amazing difference that F does make. If it were just C minor, boring, boring, dead boring. But with the F, now that's interesting. And then. He goes from C to D, so it's instead of... And then finally it jumps up to C minor again. Uh, G on the bottom in the violas. And it's getting higher and higher, and then... And now we're back at the same chord. You know, we started here, C, D, E flat, F. And now we're up here, C, D, E flat, F. Um, and we finally end with another one of these babies. E flat, F, G, D. So we were at C. And that's where it stops. So listen to that ostinato. It's very, this is the point, you know, often these things which sound really exciting are very simple, but um, we just need the recipe book to figure out what's actually going on. So here it is. Okay, so we get there. Wait, uh, wait, wait, okay, 38. All right, so we get there. There, is, there are five horns now, or six horns actually, going... Um, so it's a four note cluster again, and they start pianissimo and they crescendo to fortissimo, but it's D, F, G, A flat. So we start, you know, we're in the key of C minor, that kind of has a harmonic effect when we go to it's like a diminished chord with a G um, so you can hear that horn crescendo cool isn't it and obviously the most audible thing there is the trumpets the trumpets are going um, sorry that sounded incompetent but that's because the trumpets are all playing the same pattern, but out of phase with each other. So there's three trumpets, and all of them in some way or other are going. But um, they each start an eighth note out from each other. So the first trumpet comes in. 
and then the second trumpet comes in and then the third trumpet comes in actually it's even less than that the first trumpet comes in right on the downbeat the second trumpet comes in with the same pattern an eighth note later and then a 16th note after that the third trumpet comes in with the same pattern again so it's going but a one two one two three <laughs> it's like you know they're all they've all got identical patterns but they're in canon with each other just coming in slightly after one another listen again so they all all have exactly identical patterns but they all come in very slightly after each other so that um it sounds like this it's 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 a cool canon effect um and then everything comes down that that moment actually is as simple as it sounds it's all the woodwinds going um, all the violins, all the strings actually, except for contrabasses, all the strings are going yabba dabba 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 and uh, the piano's adding in uh, a harmony at the sixth, I think. So that, that, that moment is actually very simple, the descending moment. But um, very cool, very cool. And then the music continues. I always love these big hits and um, the way he tends to do these big hits is there's a timpani and a grand cassa or, or bass drum and an anvil. That's what, although there wasn't an anvil here, but that's how the Matrix gets its distinctive percussive sound is it uses a bloody heavy anvil. Um, anyway, I realize we've actually been going on for 20 minutes, which I think is long enough to get the point. Um, and what the point is, is that when I'm looking, I'm thinking, how do I create this effect? And by the way, I don't, I don't necessarily analyze every single moment of the score. You know, there are some moments which are boring or obvious and I leave them be. But there are moments where I think that's an amazing sound or that's an amazing bit of harmony or rhythm or, or, or something. And I'm going to the score and I'm, I'm looking for the recipe. What chords is he using? What's the recipe for that harmony? Or what, what instruments is he combining? What's the recipe for that sound? Um, or I don't know, how is he combining all these polyrhythms? What's the recipe for that rhythmic effect? So that's, that's what I'm doing when I'm going through a score is, um, is I'm thinking, how's he doing that? Or she, how, how are they doing that? What's the recipe for this effect? So that's how it goes. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember to get on that list at insidethescore.com forward slash composers, where you'll be getting exclusive content about exactly this kind of thing, exactly this kind of thing. So you really want to be there if you want, you know, the full effect and have a great week.